This week we're talking about the shield of faith. And with me I have Ben, he's a firefighter. You obviously, as you go into fight a fire, you're not carrying a shield, that would be ridiculous. Maybe kind of cool, but also ridiculous. But we've been talking about, you, you actually have a shield that y'all can use whenever, whenever the, the heat is getting too hot or the fire's coming at you. So tell me a little bit about how you can shield yourself from, from the fire. Yes, the fire is no longer just straight stream on water anymore. And so we have what's called a fog pattern and fog nozzles that we have in fires with us. And so if we get under, under the pressure of fire that's coming on to us, you can actually turn on that fog pattern. And so it's, it's a mist that mists out into a, what it is, a fog pattern that actually breaks into the thermal layer, layer and breaks down the heat really quick and it will protect the firefighters that are underneath it. So if that, if that fire all of a sudden moves in a way that you weren't expect or does something that kind of you is, you're not able to just fight it the way you were fighting it and it's coming at you, you're able to spray this wide spray that, that, that shields yourself from the fire? Correct. That's neat. All right, so you think it's weird to be out there and then see me on video and then listen to me talk? Imagine how weird it is up here. <laughs> and uh, I just, I feel like I need to apologize. I noticed on Thursday for the first time how awkward I am at the end of every one of those videos. Like I ended that one by saying, that's neat. <laughs> he just talked about the way they can shield off fire that's coming to kill them. And I said, that's neat. And <laughs> I don't know what happened. So, and then now I've watched the other ones and like, man, I ended every one of those like an idiot. So uh, I apologize that you are subject to those. Ben's awesome. Ben's incredible. I love Ben. He uh, is a part of our church and, and I'm really thankful. I, and the, I love the image. The, the image of the firefighter goes so well as we're talking about spiritual warfare and the armor of God. And it, it's honestly been really great to, to have something practical uh, like that. But and I, I apologize if this is like you're, you're relatively new around here. Maybe, you, maybe this is your very first time at Beltway. Usually we don't start the sermons like incredibly heavy. And we're going to today. So thank you for going on a journey with me. But we, that image, which has been really great for our church, for me and for my family is actually really, really hard. Like the image of a firefighter or a fire truck or a fire station, that image takes me to one of the hardest, most difficult, gut-wrenching, maybe the most difficult thing we've ever gone through as a family. And maybe that's some of you too. I was thinking about that this week as I was thinking about just what that image does for me. And I thought there's so many of you around here that maybe the image of a firefighter takes you to a car accident that was like a really big deal or, or even maybe a house fire. Some, sometime, very rarely are firefighters coming just for the really fun things. They're often coming in the midst of our darkest times. And so if that's, if that's you and you stuck around for the few weeks of this series and, and we're okay, moved past the image, I, I want to say thank you because I get where you're at. Uh, the image of a firefighter takes me immediately to Sunday, April 22nd, 2018 at 4.30 in the morning. So I was dead asleep in bed and I, uh, I have my phone on. It was Saturday night slash Sunday morning. I don't, you know, technically that changes over at midnight, but it doesn't really. And so it was like in that nebulous, is it still Saturday night or is it Sunday morning? And I have my phone on on Saturday nights because as a pastor, the one day I work is Sundays. And so, uh, so there's some elders in here, so I feel like I need to say I work other days than Sundays. We also have stuff Thursdays, okay? So it's at least a day and a half. And, and uh, so I have my phone on on Saturday nights. I don't usually, but I do on Saturday nights in case I somehow oversleep. Somebody can call and wake me up. And 
which has never happened in 15 years. But it was on that night, and it rang, and I, I looked over at my phone, and I saw it was my father-in-law. And uh, so that's a crazy time to call somebody. And so I answered it, and I could immediately tell something has gone on. And so I turn on the light in our bedroom, waking my wife, Sarah, up, and, and uh, I start talking to him. I said, hey, man, what's going on? He said, there was a, there was a fire at my mom's house, and she didn't make it out. I said, what? That is not something you ever expect somebody to say. And he said, there was a, there was a fire at my mom's house, and, and Jeffrey, she passed away. And uh, I need you to come and meet with me and Vicky and the fire chief and the chaplain. And I need you to, to then go up to the hospital with us and, and identify mom. And uh, I said, okay. So I hung up the phone with him. And then I had to look to my wife and tell her, hey, babe, Sarah Bell, your, your grandmother passed away. And uh, we... We're close to her. She lived in town, and so we ate dinner together every Sunday night, and we would see her all the time. And, and so then I had to get up, and I had to put my clothes on that I was going to wear to church that next day, and I went and met with the fire chief and the chaplain, and then we went up to the, church, uh, went up to the hospital to identify her, and it was surreal a little bit. And I, I'm in a weird spot. Pa- pastors are often in weird spots of, like, I'm family. Like, they're my family. I love them. But then also you get to step into the role of having to pastor people and love them in the midst of difficulty. And it's this weird two-hat thing that we often get tossed into. And so we left the hospital, and, uh, and my father-in-law looked at me, and he goes, hey, will you go see if they'll let you get anything out of the house? Because it's this moment, this is the weird part of tragedy and the weird part of, of things like this is you get hit, like the grief and the re- realization hits you in waves. Like that first wave was she was gone and then we had to start, you know, I had to tell my wife and we had to go see her at the hospital. And then that second wave is, oh my goodness, her house burned. And, and that, that had all of our family heirlooms. Like, man, it had everything tied to my father-in-law's side of the family. Yeah, priceless things, things you can't put a number on, photo albums and, and baby books and all these things that you can't ever replace. And so I went to her house. She lived over on Adam Street, and, and uh, I, I was standing there, and I asked a firefighter. I realized that, like, looking back on it now, you realize how dumb I was in this moment, but I walked up to a firefighter in church clothes, and I said, hey, can I go through the house? And he didn't know who I was. He was like, no no, you can't go through the house. And I was like, please, she's, our, she's my family member and our stuff is in there. So he goes, okay, you can walk with, with somebody. And so they had a firefighter came over and he stood beside me and I picked up a bucket and I went in there and I filled stuff up. I mean, I was throwing jewelry and papers and books and filled it up and, and then it was out of my hands. And then all of a sudden I had another tub in my hand. And then it happened. I went from room to room to room, the places that we could stand and filled it up with just, priceless family antiquities and and uh and it is the weirdest feeling in that like thinking back even now that feeling of overwhelming despair and then just this love that the firefighters showed us in that moment they didn't have to let me in the house probably shouldn't have let me in that house and yet we have so many things from our family because of those men and women that helped in that moment and so I know through the years I've heard people that worked that fire. And I know some of them go to Beltway. And if that's you, first of all, from the bottom of my heart, my family, and I just want to say thank you. But second, if, will you reach out to me? Because I just, it would mean a lot to me if you do that. 
And so then I left. We, I mean, I'm covered in soot and ash and water. My clothes are disgusting. And I left and I, I got, we went and met as a family. And we were realizing that my sister-in-law was out at release retreat. We couldn't get a hold of her and the news published the address to the fire. And so we're terrified she's gonna find out. And then we have to call my wife's uncle and tell him, hey, your mom passed away. And her brother, hey, your sister passed away. And this, this grief and this overwhelming sense of sorrow and despair and, and discouragement. And it was just like, you're never prepared for tragedy. And then when it hits, you realize how ill-prepared we always are for it. And it just came in waves. And we're sitting there at my in-law's house feeling overwhelmed and discouraged and frustrated and all these mo- emotions that we're feeling and sad. And, and then you just begin to feel this anger. God, why in the world would you let this happen ever to anyone? Why her? Why in the this situation, why in this circumstance, God, why in the world? And we just felt so overwhelmed and so under attack. And the house didn't collapse. We thought it was going to, but it didn't. And so over the next few days, we got to go through the house. And one day, me and my wife were walking through it, and she saw this. So this is a piece of sheetrock that was hanging in a hall, or that was in a hallway. And it burned into the wall or soot surrounded it. It says, I know it's hard to read, it says, Amazing Grace. If you look really hard, you can see her handprint right underneath it. And they found her right underneath this sign. And it was just the most beautiful reminder for our family that in the midst of gut-wrenching sorrow, overwhelmed feeling, funerals, and all the things that we lost and all the things that we weren't going to be able to have, this feeling of just grief and despair and under attack, that God's amazing grace is still amazing grace. And that at the end of her life, she was still wrapped up in his grace. That she's still, she's up in heaven now getting to hang out with her husband and her daughter who she lost earlier in her life. And that our God is still on his throne. He's still God. He's still in control in times when he didn't, we didn't feel like he was in control. And he's still peace in the midst of chaos. And that, that sign was such a beautiful reminder for our family of the importance of faith in the midst of difficulty. And the importance of faith in the midst of hard times, the importance of faith in the midst of the unknown and the chaos, the importance of faith and what a powerful thing it is. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about tools that we can be equipped with, this armor of God that we can put on so that we can go and, and attack the enemy and not be just as defenseless believers. And faith is one of the most important tools for us to utilize in the midst of the battles raging around us. So I wanna show you, if you will, Grab a Bible. There's one around you. There's one underneath your chair, the chair in front of you. If you're at our online canvas, right there on the screen, you'll see the Bible. You can click on it. We're going to be in Ephesians 6, verse 16. And it says this, in all circumstances. Don't you wish the Bible would stop using big words like all? In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And over the last few weeks of Equipped, we've talked about the reality that we are in a spiritual war. Like there are things going on. We are experiencing the fire darts of the enemy. And you didn't need David and I to stand up here and holler about how difficult the world is and how, how we're under attack and how there's a war going on. You didn't need that because you're pretty able to see all the fiery darts that are coming our way all the time. I mean, we feel discouragement pretty much everywhere right now. You look at the economy and you feel a little discouraged and you look at maybe your retirement account and you feel a little discouraged and you look at circumstances and we can feel a little discouraged. 
We feel anxiety, that, that fiery dart of the enemy, anxiety. We feel that pretty constantly right now. I know that because about every other commercial you see on TV talks about something you can take to help deal with your anxiety. We feel the, the, the overwhelming sense of worry and depression everywhere. We, we just felt like we had come out of the COVID season and then it feels like it's rearing its ugly head again. I'm already having people talk to me about masks and vaccines and all that again. And I was telling the Lord this week, I was like, God, those seven seconds where we didn't talk about COVID was so beautiful. I loved it so much. And then, you know, this is the year of our Lord, 2022. You know what that means? Another election cycle. Woohoo! Right? We've, we've proven that we can deal with politics without condemning the other side to eternal damnation in hell, right? We're great at having civil discussions about politics. And you look at that and it feels like it's chaotic. We had divisions in church. It's in part because of some of the things that I've said previously. People have walked away from the church. People have walked away from specific churches. And, and I'm just going, the church is about the gospel. The church is about glorifying our God who's worthy of glory. The church is about reaching the lost. That's what the church is for. And we got people leaving the church left and right because of things that, that aren't even like, calling them secondary would feel like that is a generous thing to call them. We're feeling stress in everything in our life. I mean, you and I are experiencing the fiery, the flaming darts of the evil one constantly. I think if we would like really look and give a true assessment of the world around us, we could pinpoint these specific areas that we're experiencing the attacks of the enemy. But here's the crazy part. Our enemy's not an idiot. We like to think of the enemy often as the, the Halloween enemy, the, the, the little red pitchfork with the little cute horns that people will do wear at Halloween. And they'll go to door to door and they'll say trick or treat looking like the devil. And that's how we view the enemy. Or maybe we just don't even think about it at all. We just like out of sight, out of mind. Here's how scripture describes the enemy. Be sober-minded, be watchful. The advers your adversary, the devil, notice your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking those whom he may devour. Resist him, firm in the faith. It's not just the, the mess of the world that, that allows the enemy to come after us. It's, it's not just circumstances. It's not even just your own sin, although I will tell you our own sin that we have in our life that we don't deal with uh, opens the door for the enemy to come after us. But here's the crazy part. He's so smart in the way he attacks us that often his attacks come on the heels of God doing something amazing in our life. Maybe you've experienced this spiritual awakening. You go to release, which is our women's retreat, or, or you go to boot camp, which is our men's retreat, which is just sidebar, doing registrations right now. And men, you need to get your tail to boot camp. So that's just, that was free advertising. Zach, you're welcome if you're in here. But you go to something like that or a camp or, or just you have this, this experience with God, this spiritual awakening. He's doing something brand new in your life. You know what always happens right after that? the enemy starts attacking. Or maybe you've, you've dealt with this sin that's just existed in your life for a long time and you're beginning to find victory over it. You're seeing the freedom that we're promised in scripture over this sin in your life and then all of a sudden you find another sin begin to crop up and the enemy starts to attack you in that. I mean, he is a crafty, crafty enemy. But we're not powerless 
against him. Too often as believers, we are in the retreat. We are running, defeated Christians, just trying to survive. And what God says he has for you and I is so very different. He doesn't say we're supposed to be powerless, wounded, weak Christians just trying to make it from today or tomorrow. He says that he came that we may have abundant life. That doesn't sound like a defeated believer. He gave us the tools to resist the enemy. Every one of us that's a follower of Jesus can resist any fiery dart, any attack the enemy might want to toss our way by utilizing the shield of faith. When you think about shield, I don't know what image comes to your mind. What comes to my mind because of Disney's brilliance propaganda is Captain America's shield, right? I mean, he's beautiful. That doesn't hurt. He's got that great shield that he can do wonders with. Red, white, and gold. I'm like red, white, and blue. This, this like, just, yeah, America. And we think of that shield. Or maybe you think about a shield that's like the knight shields that had, you know, sword in one hand, shield in another. When Paul's writing about the shield of faith, the image that everyone that is reading this letter is going to understand is not those shields. It's not a small shield. It is, think of it more like a riot shield. A Roman shield at that point would have been a big, a significantly sized shield. And it was made out of animal hide, and then it was made out of metal, and it was made out of, out of wood. And they would build this big shield, and then they would oil it up, and then they would soak it in water before they went in battle because their enemies had gotten really creative. Sound familiar? And what they would do is they would soak an arrow in this oil or something, and they would light it on fire, this really flammable thing. They would light it on fire, and then they would shoot it at their enemies because... If they didn't water down their shield, then that, sword, that arrow would have stuck in there and it could have caused the shield to become engulfed in flames. Then even if they missed, it'd land right around them, start lighting everything around them on flames. I mean, it was a really crafty and creative way that they were going after them. So the Romans would hold this shield and, and its primary responsibility, it was a big shield, it would cover a significant part of their body, but its primary responsibility would have been to protect the very core of the Roman soldiers. So it was there to protect their heart and their, their lungs, all their vital organs, because you could take an arrow to an arm and you could make it. You could take one to the leg and I mean, it would be uncomfortable, but you could survive. But an arrow to the heart, you're... You're a goner. And so this shield was really made to protect the core of the Roman soldiers. Now, you and, you and I are not in any real danger of an arrow coming and piercing our heart. If it is, your world is way different than mine. But, but the, the core of who we are, like our spirit, like the deep recesses of God's design inside of us, it's in vital danger because that's where the enemy would love to come after you most. Because it's the place that he can be most effective. Over in Proverbs, it says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. When King Solomon is writing this, he's not saying above all else, guard your physical heart. That matters. So maybe stop with the third donut. Like it matters. Not what he's talking about. He says above all else, Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your, your spiritual heart, your soul, like the core parts of who you are. Above all else, guard those places because everything about your life is dictated by the health of our soul and our spirit. The way you go to work tomorrow is determined by how well you have chosen to guard your heart and spirit. 
the way you pursue your spouse, the way, the health of your marriage, if your marriage is in difficulty, I guarantee you that it is because you have allowed the attacks of the enemy to wound and pierce your heart and soul. Parenting, our parenting is dictated by our heart. Everything we do, the way we spend our money, the way we spend our time, our hobbies, everything about everything is determined by our spiritual heart. Everything about our lives comes from deep within our spiritual heart. So we better figure out how to guard it. And we're told in Ephesians 6, the tool that we have at our disposal to guard our heart is faith. This, this shield that we can pick up, that we can have, that will allow us to, to, to wield off any attacks of the enemy, that will allow us to advance even into a territory the enemy's taken. It, it is the shield of faith. And if that's the truth, if, that's, if Ephesians 6 is real, and my goodness, we better hope that it is so that we can have something that can protect us from the schemes of the enemy, we better figure out what faith is. Definition of faith we see in Hebrews 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now, this morning we're not gonna do a deep dive into like a deep word study in faith. We don't have time for that. But if you wanna know more about, there's different kinds of faith in scripture. So there's faith that is tied to our salvation mixed with grace. And you can read more about that if you want. And Ephesians 2 talks about that. That is salvific faith, faith that is a part of our salvation. But when Hebrews 11 is writing, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. That's not necessarily what faith means in this. This is not passive faith. It's not salvific faith. It is faith in action. Faith that accomplishes things. Because it says this is what the ancients were commended for. And after those two verses in Hebrews 11, it goes on to talk about the ancients and why they were commended for their faith. It says this, by faith Noah built an ark. All right, let's put a pause in the sermon for a second and just take a step back and think about this. This is a story, maybe you've grown up in church. Even if you haven't grown up in church, you've heard about Noah and the ark. God told this guy, hey, build a giant boat so that all the animals, two by two, could come and they could live in this boat because I'm gonna flood the entire earth in a place that had not seen rain. By faith, Noah built the ark. By faith, Abraham put Isaac on the altar. If you don't know that story, Abraham had this promise from God that he was going to be the father of many nations. He struggles, him and his wife struggle to have a kid. They finally have the son of the promise. And then God says, you take the son of the promise that is tied to you being the father of many nations. You put him on an altar and you sacrifice him. And Abraham had to be going, God, I waited all this time for Isaac. You made this promise to me. And the promise is tied to Isaac and you want me to put him on an altar. By faith, Moses was put in the river. And in a time when infanticide is what was happening and they were killing all the baby boys, by faith, Moses was placed in the river and it is because of that that he ends up surviving and then he goes on to lead the people of God out of slavery. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. I don't know if you've ever seen the Veggie Tales that talks about Jericho, but if you haven't, 
It is tremendous. I can still sing most of those songs. I won't right now because I'd like you to come back next week, but I could sing them if you... But by faith, the people of God walked around the city every day. Then the seventh day, they walked around it more times. And then God said, just yell! And then the, the walls will fall. And by faith, they did it. By faith, Rahab, the only woman in the hall of faith, by faith, Rahab hid the two spies. And these two spies, being protected by Rahab, allowed them to go and give testimony of what God had for the people of God. And then they go and get to find their promised land. That is the type of faith. When we're talking about the shield of faith, it's not passive faith, it is active faith. It's this, faith is trusting God in the midst of difficulty. Is that hard? Absolutely. Faith, none of, the, none of what any of those people did what came easy. Faith is believing in God's ways even though the people around us might not be walking in them. Is that difficult? For sure, but that is what faith is. Faith is trusting God's timing. Faith is believing God will do what he said he was going to do. That is what it looks like for you to have the shield of faith. I know we said we weren't going to do a deep dive study into faith this morning, but if you go back to the original language, faith means the same thing in Ephesians 2 as it means in Hebrews 11. The definition of it is this, what can be fully believed, that which is worthy of belief. And I want you to notice that nowhere in there does it tie the end result to faith. Nowhere does it say faith is just accomplishing the end result. Faith was trusting God in the middle of waiting for the end result to happen. Faith was believing God's timing. Abraham had to have faith that, God, if you have me do this, you will accomplish your promise another way. Rahab had to believe that even though everyone around her wasn't doing what God, like what God had for them and their best, she was going to shield the, the two spies so that those two spies could end up giving testimony to all that they didn't needed to give testimony to so they could find the promised land. Noah had to believe that even though he hadn't seen rain in a long time, and even though he was going to get mocked for it, that he would build a giant boat and trust that if God didn't send rain, then he was going to accomplish his purpose in another way. That is faith. Believing that God is who he said he is. He will do what he said he's going to do. He can be trusted and his promises are good and true. And what we're told in our text is that it is that kind of faith that shields us from the attacks of the enemy. And when we begin to feel the, the pinch of lack and the enemy would love to come in and he would go, hey, you're never gonna have enough. We remember, no, our God is provider. Even if he hasn't provided yet, he's still provider. When we're walking through that situation of difficulty and chaos and we can go, oh, this is awful. But my God holds everything in his hands and I'm gonna believe it even before I see him work out the chaos. I'm gonna believe that he's in control. That's faith. So then the question for you and I, if that kind of faith is what is necessary for us to wield off the arrows of the enemy, if that's the case, we need to figure out how we wield the shield of faith. You ready for this? Just use it. Just pick it up. Like this is not a difficult one. If we go back to our text, it says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the enemy. We gotta pick it up. We gotta take it up. 
This is the first of the, of the parts of our armor of God that we actually are told to take up. The rest we're told to put on. We're told to put on the breastplate of righteousness, put on the helmet of salvation. But there is obviously something different with the shield of faith. There's a different expectation on you and me. We have to intentionally grab hold of the shield of faith because faith in the midst of difficulty is no one's initial go-to. When you get that bill in the mail that you weren't expecting, I've never met a person that's like, yeah, God, woo! Now I get to watch you provide. No, usually we're like, how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna take care of what I need to take care of? Or you, you see that pregnancy test and it has one line instead of two lines. We're never like, awesome God, I'm still gonna watch you do your promise anyway. No, we're heartbroken and frustrated and scared and discouraged. Our natural inclination is not to grab hold of faith and belief and trust in God in the midst of difficulty. And I get it. Uh, listen, I, I fully understand the struggle. My wife would tell you, this is true, this is not an exaggeration. Everyone in the world is glass half full, right? And glass half empty. Everyone's one or the other. We could do a fun social experiment and have you raise your hand and that would actually tell which one you are. I, I look at it almost always as like, the glass is completely empty and where is the liquid? And when I am not intentional about grabbing hold of faith, the shield of faith, I am so susceptible to the little worries, discouragements, sometimes the big anxiety that begin to come my way. If you want the raw, honest truth this morning, this weekend, I'm thinking about the sermon, sitting in the sermon, feeling it, feeling the attacks of the enemy come. And when I wasn't like really on my guard, I could feel that anxiety and that worry begin to creep up because I hadn't taken up my shield of faith, intentionally grab hold of this trust and belief in God. And, and the reality is, is when we're in those seasons of difficulty, when stuff is really hard and, and difficult and you have loss or you're feeling the attacks of the enemy come constantly, it's really difficult in those times to grab hold of the shield of faith. So I'm going to do this. I'm a practical thinker. My brain is very simple. I'm going to give you three ways that you can practically grab hold of the shield of faith. The first is this, find testimonies of God's faithfulness. Find them, read them, consume them, celebrate them. Listen to stories about what God is doing. Our God is moving. We say all the time around here, the God who did still does. And so in, in times where we are in difficulty and feeling the attacks of the enemy, nothing builds up our faith as much, maybe not nothing. There are few things that build up our faith as much as listening to what God is doing in the world, what he's doing in other people's lives. And it's not hard to find testimonies. You can go to our website. We got tons of testimonies on there. Go to YouTube. You can find books. If you're in this season of dealing with infertility, find somebody that went through that season and how God showed himself faithful. You got difficulties in your, in your marriage or maybe you've had a child walk away. Find stories about how God reconciled because our God is the reconciler. It's who he was. It's who he is. Find those stories, listen to them, celebrate them, and let those build your faith because listening to what God's doing increases our faith and gives us a chance to wield the shield of faith. I made it easy for you. At the bottom of your notes today, there is a link to our website. And that link takes you to a testimony. My father-in-law's testimony. 
that he gave at our church about the story of his mom passing away in the fire. Go watch it. Even in the midst of difficulty, God is still moving and God is still God. Second way is this, worship. Worship is always us turning our our eyes and our minds and our attention away from the the muck and the mire of the world and the difficulty and the situations and, and focusing on the greatness and the power of our God. It is impossible to truly worship the God who holds everything in his hands if we're focusing on all the mess of the world, but it's also just as impossible for us to sit here and miss God's doing when we're worshiping him. It's impossible for us to not go, oh God, you are in control whenever we're declaring that he's in control. And listen, if you don't believe it as you worship it, guess what? Welcome to humanity. We just have to keep pressing in. Sometimes we sing something or declare something and initially we don't believe it. So you know what? Do it again. Still don't believe it? Do it again. Sometimes our spirits are stubborn, but our God is still in control. He's still worthy of our worship. That's why at both campuses today we sing, I speak Jesus. Because in there, that song says, your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine like a shadow. Burn like a fire. There are some of you in here who, who need that story. You need that testimony. You need that worship and that reminder that your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Go download the song, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. Listen to it. Don't believe it right away. Listen to it again. When my wife, worship is the way that I almost always wield the shield of faith. It's the fastest way that I can refocus on God. So my wife was in labor with our, our oldest daughter. She was in that like weird headspace of she'd had Demerol and Finnegan. I probably butchered those. So if you're a nurse, I'm sorry. Just forgive me. I'm a pastor. And so... She had had those, and then she was in that, like, epidural coma. And so she was so gone, she was laying in the bed, and the nurse was asking her questions and asking her to sign papers. And, uh, and Sarah looked at the nurse, and she goes, hey, he's about to go get our pillow. Because we're pillow people. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Who knows? And so that is like where Sarah is. She's great. She's just sleeping away. And I am utterly terrified in this room. Which I know it's weird that I'm saying she's in labor and she was great. But I mean, she was a goner for like seven hours. She slept. And I just paced the room. And I was like, God, what happens if something happens to the baby? What happens if something happens to Sarah? And I got to be a single dad. I, I don't think I'm going to be a good dad, period. God, how are we going to provide for this child, God? And I mean, just wave after wave after wave, this feeling of overwhelmed. And the Lord took me to a song by Bethel and says, God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. And I listened to it. And you know what? I didn't believe one word. But in six hours, you can listen to a five-minute song a bunch of times. So I listen to it. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. And over time, that worship and that focus on the greatness and the power of our God began to repel the enemy because I was wielding the shield of faith. 
The last practical way I'll give you is this. Give testimony yourself. Talk about the times that God moved in your life. It doesn't have to even be specific to the circumstance you're dealing with then. When we remember that God is moving in our lives, it allows us to then feel the confidence that he's gonna do it again. And if you don't have any testimony to give at all that you can think through, Jesus died on the cross to save you from eternal separation from God and give you life and life eternal. And that one testimony is enough for us to give testimony for all eternity. So that is a way you can wield the shield of faith. Here's, here's what I love about the shield of faith, though. We can think about it individually, and it is an individual thing. But the beauty of the shield of faith is we can collectively use the shield of faith to build up and guard the people around us. See, I left out a really important aspect of the shield of faith when I was talking to you about how it was made. It was actually made to be linked together to other shields that the Roman soldiers were holding. And so the, they would get into a formation, and I'm going to butcher this word, so I'm sorry, but they enter a formation called the testudo formation. And it looks like this. And they would link their shields together and it would allow them to be protected on all sides and above them. And so they had all this opportunity to not just be safe, although they're going to be more safe in this formation, they're actually going to be able to push forward against the enemy and take back ground that the enemy had taken back. And they were going to be safe and they were going to be a team and they were going to do it together and they could collectively wield their shields. And oh my goodness, if there is not a more perfect example of the importance of us doing life with people, this is what it should look like to be a follower of Jesus says this in Ephesians 4, from, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That is why we stress life groups so much. Because it's not just that they're good for you. It's not just that they're fun to do life with people. It's because you were created and designed to do life with other people. Our shields are supposed to be linked with other people. We're not ever supposed to be individualistic. And until we can get into our thick skulls that what God has for us is community, and in that community we will see God advancing, we're going to miss out on so much of what God's doing. He, April 22nd, 2018. The darkest moment in our world. You know what? Our people rushed in to yield their shields with us. We've been in the same life group for 11 years. And our life group leaders' names are Todd and Catherine. And they rushed in in the midst of that time. And they linked their shield to ours and helped protect us when we were, when we were reeling a little bit. My, my best friend, Joel, he drove in from Atlanta just to be here with us, and he linked his shield with us. And then people like Scott and Bethany and Jordan and Caitlin and Josh and Brady, our people that we do life with all the time, in the great times and in the difficult times, they rushed in, they prayed for us, and they gave us meals, and they linked their shields to ours because that's the way it's supposed to be. It's why we talk about groups so much here. So if you're not in a life group, here in a few weeks, we're gonna jump into a spiritual growth campaign. It's gonna be powerful, called The Restful Life. And, and we're gonna see God talk to us about how to live life from a place of rest. But a big part of that is we do groups. So if you don't know how to get involved in a life group, at the end of this month, August 28th at the zoo, we will have a big groups launch party. We're gonna talk about how you can get involved in a group. 
there's, there's kids groups and there's youth groups and there's young adults and men's and women's. There is a group for you. And if you don't know how to get involved in a group, just make it to the group's launch party. Get signed up and get involved in a group because I promise you God will do incredible things in you in that season because we are made to do it. And there's so much power in us wielding the shield of faith individually. It's needed and it will be an individual thing because I can only link my shield of faith to somebody else's shield of faith if I've wielded mine first. But then think of how the church would look if week in and week out our shields were linked together and we were just chasing after the enemy. We weren't just being defeated. We weren't just retreating. We were repelling any attack. And then we were pushing forward to see all that God has for us. Be powerful. So if you will, if you'll bow your heads for just a moment. My, my biggest prayer today is that God would show you maybe areas that you've come under attack. Areas that you've seen the enemy kind of go after you. And then to feel the weight and the burden of pushing back, wielding the shield of faith that we've been given, repelling any attacks of the enemy. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your kindness. Thank you that you don't leave us ill-equipped, but you've equipped us to go after the enemy. Would we be bold enough this week to take up our shield of faith and see all that you're gonna do? It's in your name we pray, amen.